You're listening to the feed. This is the feed. This is the feed. The feed. You're listening to the feed. In Markham. In Richmond Hill. You're listening to the feed in Vaughan. In Stouffville. In Woodbridge. In Unionville. This is the feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer with York Region's only news magazine show dedicated to the issues, events, and stories that matter to all of us who live and work here. Over the past few weeks, our focus has been on COVID-19, the virus that has affected almost every country in the world, continues to spread and take lives. Frontline workers are now our heroes. Our lifestyles and our livelihoods are changed. Our everyday routines have been turned upside down. This week on The Feed, we focus on the impact that COVID-19 is having on education. From teachers to parents to students, the learning model is forever altered. We begin with Ontario's education minister and MPP from King Vaughan, Stephen Lecce. Thank you, Minister Lecce, for joining us. You rolled out a, a rather a new set of initiatives, if you will. Teacher-led learning, e-learning, it's a plan to keep students studying, and it was unveiled earlier this week in and around the time when other provinces were pretty much saying, okay, we're done with this year. Why did you decide that you would make sure that Ontario students still had learning ahead of them? Yeah, thanks, Anne, for the opportunity. You know, I joined the Premier early this week with, uh, with one aim in mind, and that was to ensure that we keep our kids safe while learning. And that is the fundamental premise of our program. You know, and I think parents expect that for the coming weeks and months, kids continue to learn the curriculum and it be instructed by a teacher. And our program reconnects teachers and students. It ensures kids graduate. It ensures they get access to the curriculum. And that is a positive. And I think in Ontario, our children deserve a competitive advantage. And by keeping them engaged in education, we're going to set them up to succeed for the coming year and for their life. Interesting. There has been turbulence between you and uh, teachers in the province, but that seems to be now in the rearview mirror. How important is it that you have announced that this is teacher-led learning? Yeah, no, we're very pleased that we were able to land uh, very, uh, I think, positive deals for students and taxpayers with the elementary teachers, with Catholic teachers, French teachers, and hopefully soon with all the teacher federations. And so we're making progress. But I think, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, restoring the student-teacher relationship is vital. One of the key messages I hear constantly from from kids, in fact, and their parents, is that my child wants to, you know, have that relationship rekindled with their teacher. They want to have access to them. It could be a video, it could be a FaceTime, it could be a phone call, it could be even an email, but they just want to be in touch with their educator. And having reestablishing teacher-led learning, I think, is really important. It puts uh, that responsibility on our educators and sort of moves it away from the parent who's doing it at, at 100% for the past week or two. But it also, I think, signals that we're trying to really make uh, create value-added experiences for your child. And having an educator there, having the full complement of our mental health support and workers within our school boards, psychologists, psychotherapists, our social workers, having all of them doing whatever they can given this very difficult circumstance dealing with the pandemic, I think will demonstrate to kids that we've got their back. We're going to provide every resource and every uh, opportunity for them to succeed, even if it's difficult, even and if it's a bit imperfect, we'll do whatever it takes to help them get ahead. Learn at Home Plan, one of your first uh, commitments is safety first. You've already mentioned it, but what do you mean by that when it comes to your plan? Yeah, I think it's largely just about taking the advice of the Chief Medical Officer of Health. We we're dealing with a, a pandemic both in Ontario and across the world. And on, uh, under our government, we made a decision 
you know, at a, at a point when no schools had closed in the country, no emergency orders were uh, enacted, uh, we decided, uh, following the advice of Dr. David Williams, Chief Medical Officer, that we're going to close schools. We were the first in the country to do so, the first in the industrialized world, one of them at least, to do that. That was decisive, and I think it really helped to change hearts and minds and the psychology of the nation that we all have to do more. And it, more importantly, it helped prevent community spread of COVID-19 amongst our kids, which could have impacts on their health, let alone their entire, you know, the whole ecosystem around that child. The parents, the grandparents, the siblings, we don't want that to spread. And so we did that. We think it's going to help save lives and obviously other provinces have followed suit. So for us, it's, it's literally about keeping kids safe, but it's about recognizing that we can do both. We, it's not an either or proposition. We can keep kids safe and we can educate them. And that's why Ontario is well positioned to do, to do that. I find it fascinating that just about every group that you've spoken of has to go through a bit of a learning curve. Teachers, for instance, may need to sharpen their online skills. Uh, parents, so many parents are not quite up to speed when it comes to what their children are learning and the students themselves. But there is a silver lining in all of this. Yeah, I think there's an opportunity to to learn, but also there's an opportunity to, you know, reconnect with family, an opportunity to learn life skills. And I think it's also just an opportunity to strengthen the sense of discipline that we want in our children to know that, look, it's it's different, it's unconventional, maybe it's, it's even uncomfortable uh, being home, but it's, it's important that they know that we, uh, government educators, parents, uh, administrators, that all of us expect our kids to continue to focus on the curriculum. They, they finished three-fourths of the year-end, they're almost there. Now we've built an online program that's going to help them get to the finish line. That's a positive story. And not many provinces can say that. We're also ensuring new resources, professional development of our teachers so that they can really optimize their ability online. That's happening in real time. In fact, it just happened this week. So a lot of good work is happening. And also guidance and supports for the parents themselves on how to help their kids through through this. So we're doing it all. But I recognize, folks, that there's more to do. And this is a living experience. We're going to keep building it up, scaling it up, improving it based on the feedback we get. But I really appreciate the cooperation of all the partners, and from unions to parents to the students themselves and Obviously, our many communities, we're all, we're all in this together, and I know we'll overcome this challenge together. Let's talk nuts and bolts. You know, there's a wide range uh, from uh, families and homes that have every piece of equipment you can think of to other situations where not so much. They may not have what you are hoping for in terms of being able to deliver the education. So how do parents and families sort that part of it out? School boards... Right now, we're on the front lines, reaching out to every parent in the province, um, sort of trying to get an understanding of what are the needs on the ground, be it technology or otherwise. Our commitment in conjunction with our boards is one way or another, no matter what it takes, uh, we will deliver the materials uh, and your child will be instructed by a teacher. It may mean some will be done, most will be done versus using technology, video conferencing and sort of Google Classroom, if you will, which is uh, one of the platforms that's used very well, very dynamic, engaging. You can ask questions. Everyone's in front of each other with their little profile photos. And you've got the teacher in front of you leading a course, answering questions in real time, uploading materials. It's really dynamic. And for others who may not have that, they're going to be on the phone. They're going to be using every method. If it means utilizing our bus drivers to courier uh, materials uh, to those homes in perhaps small parts of Ontario that don't have access to Internet or 
that just don't have broadband at their home. We're going to do that. We're going to do whatever it takes. But I, I guess my point is it's about keeping kids engaged in the fundamental concepts and, and curriculum on literacy, on math, on science, on social studies. These are the real uh, emphasis we're putting in the last uh, sort of uh, quarter. And I know that teachers will rise to the challenge, use their professional judgment, and do their very best to enable students not just to get through the material, but to be able to graduate, especially for those kids in grade 12. You speak, York Region listens. Stephen Lecce, Ontario's Education Minister and MPP. King Vaughn, thank you for joining us on the feed on 105.9 The Region. Thank you, and have a great weekend, everyone. And next on the feed, Kathleen Wynne, MPP for Don Valley West, former Premier of Ontario and Education Minister in the McGuinty government from 2006 to 2010. Thank you for joining us. And let's talk about the measures and the uh, information that Education Minister Stephen Lecce and his government are putting forward to Ontarians about keeping students learning through COVID-19. What are your thoughts? So I think that the uh, I think that the minister is doing the right thing in terms of moving now to a teacher-led model. Um, what was what was missing in the first couple of weeks was um, that connection between the teacher and the student, and understandably, they the planning had to be done to make that happen. You know, the resources that had been put up on the Learn at Home website and uh, TVO were good, but kids need the guidance of, uh, of an educator in order to be able to sort through. And quite frankly, families need to know what the expectations are. So I think that I think that the guidelines that have been put up, the number of hours for each grade and the specific materials are good. I think that the teacher outreach is the critical part of this. I know that teachers have, for example, been connecting with the students in their class in their classrooms and the, the families to find out what equipment um, kids have, whether kids have a device at home, and that will be that will be uneven across the province. There will be some classrooms where 50% of the kids will need support, and there will be some where none of the kids need support. So I think that's all very important. And the the equipment that is in schools, as I understand it, is going to be distributed to the families. Uh, who need it. So Chromebooks, for example, that are in classrooms, they're going to find a way to get those to the uh, to the kids. So I think all of that is good, particularly on the subjects, uh, the cumulative subjects like math and science. I think it, it's good for families to have some idea of what the expectations are so that kids can move on to the next grade. Um, I think that the high school expectations that there will be that, you know, that there will be some um, evaluation of the work that kids do. I think that's important because kids who are going into, you know, going from grade 9 to grade 10 or and so on, they, they, need to, they need to have some sense and families need to have some sense that kids have learned the material that they need. Having said all of that, I believe that we have to be realistic about what's possible. There's a lot of pressure on families. You know, parents have lost jobs, single-parent families, um, families with a, a number of kids at different grade levels, families living in um, close quarters where there aren't, you know, separate rooms that kids can go to, or families where um, the the parents, the adults involved are not able to help their kids. There's going to be a need for flexibility once kids go back to school and teachers you know, teachers are going to need to give kids some support depending on what they've been able to do while they've 
been at home. So I think we have to be, we have to be patient with each other. Uh, my hope is that by teachers reaching out, whether online or whether by phone, that families will feel supported in this next period because there's a lot of anxiety about what kids need to learn over the next few weeks. And just before I let you go, some other provinces have pretty much scrubbed the the year and said, you know, that's it. We'll pick up the pieces when this is over. What are your thoughts? How do you feel about the provincial government uh, trying to continue the, uh, the education of our children? I was actually surprised that the minister wasn't clearer that there was a really good chance that the school year may be over. You know, I had expected him to leave the door open, obviously, for getting back to school this school year, but I don't think that's very realistic, personally. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I think it would be great if we're, you know, if we're out of the woods in the next four or five weeks and the kids can go back to school, that would be great. I just don't think it's very likely. And so I, I think that very soon we're going to hear the minister come out and say, you know what, we actually are going to have to uh, cancel the rest of the school year. And then, of course, Anne, there will be a conversation about whether the school year gets extended and so on. I, I'm not going to I'm not going to hazard a guess at what the uh, premier and the minister will say about that. But I do think that parents and families need to be able to do some planning as we get closer to the summer. So I think that there'll have to be some more information about that coming soon. And if the year is scrubbed, is there a provision within the Education Bill of Rights, if you will, that would allow for students to go back to school to start their year or finish this year in August and then piggyback on to the next year? Yeah, so they may, um, the ministry may have to make some regulation changes or there may even have to be a legislation change in terms of the school year. But remember, there already is a school board, the Peel School Board, Peel District School Board already has a, what they call a balanced year and, and it's year-round schooling. Essentially, they do start back in August. So I think that that will not be a difficult thing to do once the decision is made. But again, I think that you know, we need to we need to listen to the advice of teachers and educators about what's in the best interest of kids. Kathleen Wynn, thank you for joining us on the feed. You're very, very welcome. And uh, just everyone stay healthy and stay that two meter distance from uh, from everyone out out in the world. OK, absolutely. I am uh, sharing that message as we all are here at 105.9 The Region. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. All the best. I'm Ann Romer, and this is a special edition of The Feed with a focus on education. So we've heard from the minister and the former premier. Now with the plan of action from the York Region District School Board, Tina Cortez with the Associate Director of Education, Dr. Steve Reed. Stephen, can you tell us about the York Region District School Board Learning and Caring Plan? What is it? Exactly. The York Region District School Board Learning and Caring Plan, it's uh, basically a roadmap. It really outlines kind of the guidelines and supports that we've established to promote online learning. And we're really moving forward into new territory. And so obviously we've had teachers and students who engage in online learning, but never before have we provided online learning across all of our schools. So we've we've developed a step-by-step plan to support our teachers to get online. And central to that plan is our students and our families. And so we'll be providing more information to families even this week 
as, uh, as we move forward so they can have a better understanding of our learning and caring plan. Can I ask you, how is the board supporting teachers during this time, especially for those who may be teaching online for the first time? We know that many of, of our teachers will be embarking in a new way of teaching and learning. And so uh, we also ha- not only have teachers, but students who will be embarking in a new way. So as uh, we think about moving online, our central staff have been working hard over the past few weeks to create and mobilize resources for our teachers. So there's really a step-by-step process of moving into this new world. And so as a board, we've supported teachers in deciding upon, for example, an online learning platform. And so there's a variety of platforms that we uh, support as a board and teachers will be able to look at a variety of tip sheets and videos and tutorials and presentations so they can decide what's going to best meet their needs and the needs of the students. And so once they've kind of decided upon a platform, then we have all kinds of supports that provide step-by-step processes of how to, for example, add students to a learning platform. And then we've also been gathering resources for educators that are uh, based on grade of a student and also the curricular areas so that as our teachers, as they begin to plan, uh, they can look at some of the the sample charts and planners and tools that we've offered to support that online learning. And then we're going to be continuing to provide other supports because we know that we have a variety of different learners. So we're, we're providing supports, for example, to support uh, English language learners and to support students with special education needs. Have you received feedback yet? I know these are the early days, but have you heard anything from teachers, from parents, from students in terms of what this new normal will be like? We actually have uh, received some feedback, and uh, some of the feedback that we've received has been very, very positive, and, and other feedback has really uh, connected to questions that people have. So the first part of our plan has actually been to uh, reach out to families, and that has started this week. And so teachers have been reaching out to families and students and just doing a check-in, see how people are doing, and then reminding them of some of the uh, the resources that are there to be able to support families and students. So, for example, around around the area of, of uh, mental health. And so if families or, or some of our students are having some challenges and maybe even uh, getting to the point where they need some uh, crisis counseling, our teachers are able to provide them uh, with some phone numbers that they can uh, connect to. But then also, even as a, as a board, we've been looking at some of our services that we have been providing to students that uh, require additional supports, uh, such as our psychological services and our social work services. And they've been uh, looking at um, how to move forward in a new world uh, because much of what they'll be doing, well, everything that they'll be doing in the near future will be not face-to-face as it would have been before. But again, they're reaching out to families and students and engaging once again. And so uh, that reach out has been uh, very, very uh, positively received. And then also as we have moved forward, uh, we just recently uh, sent out to educators, uh, teachers, and our principals uh, information of how uh, teachers can access our, our supports. And that has been well received. Uh, so that uh, teachers aren't starting from scratch 
And we know that we have many teachers who are experts in the area of online learning. So we're really promoting kind of that team approach uh, so that uh, teachers with those particular skills will be able to share with others. And uh, in schools where there might not be as much expertise, again, we'll be providing professional learning and support as we move forward. Well, that's terrific that there's going to be that connection between teachers and, and forming their own groups, perhaps, to help them help each other through this. Now, no one expects this plan to be perfect, especially during these early, unusual days. What support will there be for students who perhaps need greater academic attention? Yeah, we know that there'll be a variety of different needs, and we've been moving through that process. So even even before the academic needs, we actually knew that uh, some of our students and our families didn't even actually have the technology to go online. So we have a survey off of our, our website, so if families actually have technology needs or accessing the Internet, they can go to our website and fill that out. Now, uh, that may sound a little bit strange because if they don't have the technology, but often people have phones that they can actually fill out the survey. And when our teachers connect with families, they'll actually ask about that. And so the, the teacher can actually support either filling out the, the survey or, or connect them with the principal so that we are actually uh, starting next week, we'll, beginning, we'll be beginning to get technology and Internet access out to some of our students uh, with those needs. So that is really the first, so that all of our students can access online. And then when we think of our some of our students with, for example, special education needs, our staff have been really thinking about uh, what's the move forward. So we have a variety of staff, such as social workers and uh, uh, speech and language pathologists. We have those who, with expertise in special education. If parents or students need to connect or want more information, where can they go? Uh, well, they can always go to our website. Uh, we're, send, we're continuing to provide resources through, the, through these times on our website. And so if you go to the website, there's a link right there. Uh, with respect to uh, this uh, COVID-19 and resources around that. Uh, for example, even how uh, parents or, or families might be able to talk to students who are struggling through this time. Uh, we provide a lot of information through Twitter also that will link them uh, to particular resources. Uh, we I mentioned that uh, our teachers will be reaching out to families this week, so that's an opportunity to engage. And then as we start to move online, uh, students will be engaged in online, uh, an online community, and so they'll be able to ask questions of their teacher and get regular feedback from their teacher, so that's another way. If uh, in time, if, uh, if uh, parents have particular questions, uh, they can always uh, reach out and email their school pr uh, principal if they're experiencing some significant challenges and we can look to uh, provide some support. And um, I had also mentioned with respect to, to reaching out, we do have uh, mental health clinicians that uh, where they're meeting with students on a regular basis prior uh, to the March break, we'll be reaching out and engaging again. Uh, but if uh, parents recognize that their child is having some significant issues, they can always reach out to uh, the principal and we'll ensure that uh, we're looking to provide those appropriate supports. Stephen Reed, Associate Director of the York Region District School Board, thank you for joining us on the feed. Uh, thanks so much. It was great to talk about the opportunities that we're looking forward to.
This is the feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. COVID-19 will directly impact our classrooms. Jim Lang with one teacher's perspective. The new normal affects all of us with this COVID-19 situation, especially with education. Thrilled to be talking to Jennifer Higgs. She teaches special ed and other subjects from grades 5 to 8 of Franklin Street Public School in Markham. Joining us on the feed today. Jennifer, how are you? I'm doing okay. Learning the new normal from my living room. Well, and that's just it. I wanted to ask you the first thing. What's the? Ch- I mean, you spent a lifetime being an educator, learning and working in your craft, and now you're doing it virtually, which is completely different than everything you've known the last whatever years. How different of a transition is for you, a professional, long-term teacher? I've been teaching gym for over 18 years, and in a different um, different schools in York Region, and this by far is the sharpest learning curve uh, that myself and all colleagues. Um, in education are facing. It's the anxiety of trying to get something right. Um, at the same time, we're in a state of emergency in Ontario in terms of health. Another point to this is that school is a social institution as well. Um, we don't teach in isolation. I can walk into my colleague's door. I can go to my principal, my librarian, my English as a second language instructor's classroom and get help. That is a real piece to this that I'm struggling with. And, of course, I miss my kids. Well, yeah, because you do develop a bond with the kids you teach, right? I've had some of my students for a number of years, and being in a special education setting, my kids don't learn by textbooks. We're very hands-on. We do use technology, so I do feel that once we move a little bit online, that there will be a bit of advantage to some of the students I teach. But it raises a bigger issue. Not all of our kids have access to technology, or the programs that necessarily they've been using in the classroom. And it creates really a situation of inequity for students, particularly for students in York Region who live in rural settings where Internet isn't always viable, um, and also for our students' families who are in situations where they don't even have Internet. So I know the ministry and the boards are trying to put plans together, but with a date of April 6th looming, many of us are scrambling, and it's creating anxiety. How do you connect with those students who, in, no matter what level of education they're at, struggle at the best of times? Because I know I was not a good learner in school. I was, I probably would have been diagnosed ADHD if I was around today. But So for me to try to learn remotely at home would have been a disaster for my parents. I think the best thing is uh, doing a social-emotional check. I do that in my classroom every day uh, with my students, and I will try and continue that online. In terms of, I think, hearing my voice, hearing their voices at some point in the game um, will be easier, but checking in, and I have a regular contact speed with my parents regardless, and trying to figure out what do they have at home that can help them move away from paper and book or paper and online textbook uh, learning. What kind of games can we get going? What kind of science can we do in the kitchen together for people who are able to? And that's another problem. We have a lot of parents who frontline working. They're out there running TTC buses. They're in the pharmacies. They're in the hospitals. They're emergency response workers. They may not be able to help the same way. So it's going to take a lot of ingenuity on all of our parts to figure out how to help our kids. Speaking with Jennifer Higgs, who's a teacher of the Franklin Street Public School of Markham on the feed, York Region's only magazine uh, magazine show hosted by Ann Wilmer. And Jennifer, you come up with a lesson plan for years. As you say, 18 years, you have a sort of a game plan, how it's going to go. Now it's a virtual lesson plan. The, the volume that you're teaching and the exact maybe things that you're teaching, is that changing as well because you're not in the classroom with the kids? 
Absolutely. Just speaking from um, the special ed part with my students, there is no one go-to resource. Um, I'm still going to try and keep up uh, doing what I can without overwhelming students. Hey, we're going to make mistakes through this path. It's going to be trial and error. Um, Also, I'm teaching science and social studies remotely, trying to make it meaningful. And still, we've been asked to make sure that we're doing a curriculum check to find out pieces of the curriculum we haven't taught yet. So it's another balance of how do I do this, knowing that students do not have the traditional supports that avail us in the classroom. I have to say, Jennifer, from celebrities to musicians to athletes to everyday people, people are losing it trying to teach their kids at home, homeschooling their kids. Do you feel the perception of you and your rest of your teachers maybe are a little bit different? There's a little more level of respect for what you do every day after what they've been experiencing the last few weeks? Well, I just want to clarify, you know, some of the videos you see and some of the um, posts that you see on social media, people are saying homeschooling well. Really what's happened since March 13th, um, when we went on March break, I'm going to say parents haven't been doing what the ministry would call homeschooling. I think they've been trying to do some replacement schooling. And that's moved into the two-week kind of hiatus where we're getting ready for this emergency distance teaching. I think it's important that we remember that that's what this is. It is not a replacement for what we do every day in our classrooms because we can't. We're missing all the personnel. We're missing the kids. We're missing the parents. So that's not going to work. But it is kind of reassuring to know we've had a lot of parent support this year through our work to rule and our strike action and it's it's kind of nice to know that there's an understanding of we're all in this together for our kids and here's one really important thing Jim I think we all need to realize it's always taken a village to raise a child Mm -hmm. and we're at a point now where the village is changing and how do we do this so that we don't miss out on important learning opportunities and really remembering that family is the most important thing right now. Absolutely. And I just think about the the teaching craft, what you do, Jennifer, and all your fellow teachers in September, assuming God willing that we're all back to normal, how different it will be and maybe how different it will be interacting with kids and teaching kids. The way you taught September of 2019 and September 2020 might be completely different. Absolutely. Finding out where our kids are at emotionally, um, socially, and providing, they haven't been able to see their friends. Uh, there's been no recess time. There's been no play dates. Parks are closed. And then they've only been exposed to their own families and remembering how to have conversations, remembering how to play, and then finding out the curriculum pieces. Actually, 2020, 2021 could be a little more delayed because we're going to have to make up some of the gap. I do know this. We've been trying to play a board game after dinner, and I am the worst kerplunk player ever. My kids are killing me at kerplunk. Well, I think games are the best thing, games and puzzles. And you know what? I think because of social media, we've lost some of those pieces. Um, My students, I love to play an awesome board game. I would recommend everybody get it. It's called Sequence. Oh. Uh, It's great for for math skills and uh, particularly probability. I would say Yahtzee and Uno, all of those kinds of things allow families to get together. I know I've had neighbors who are playing games uh, via FaceTime, and uh, I think that the power of uh, board games for social communication and doing those check-ins allow um, all of us to kind of settle down and, and remember what's most important. I love my, you know, uh, Jennifer, thank you so much for doing this. And thank you for what you're doing. The rest of your teachers, it's, it's, it's difficult and new times for all of us. And uh, I know you guys are feeling anxiety, but trust me, the community, we have your back. Thank you for all you do. Yes. And thank you for, for reaching out. Um, we're all in a bunch of 
uh, different emotions these days, and we really appreciate the public support to help us get through this. It's new learning for all of us. Uh, we have a variety of learners in our class every day. We're going to do our best, but again, please allow us some patience and to do what we, what we need to do. Well said. Thanks, Jennifer. All the best. Take care. Okay. You're listening to a special COVID-19 edition of The Feed. I'm Ann Romer. For some teachers, taking their lesson plans online may be new and perhaps a bit intimidating. Tina Cortez with advice on how to get them started. Dr. Rob Power is Assistant Professor of Education with the School of Education and Health at Cape Breton University. He is also an author and past president of the International Association for Mobile Learning. A real pleasure to have you on the show, Dr. Power. My pleasure to be here. Now, here in Ontario, teachers will be leading their classrooms and students online, many for the first time. What is your advice for them to get them started? I have a few words of advice, and the number one thing is to have a plan of attack. You need to take some time to figure out exactly what you want to do and what you need to do. Otherwise, you're going to feel even more overwhelmed than your students. So what you really need to think about is, what is it that you want your students to do? What resources and materials uh, you're going to need to share with your students? And how is it that you want to connect with them? All of those things tie into maintaining a sense of community and engagement with your students, and they also tie into making things manageable for both you and your students. Now, you mentioned how to connect with your students. What do you suggest or how do they do that? Is It can't be just uh, a text exchange between student and teacher. What else can they do? Well, there are a lot of things that you can do, but I guess it all depends on how comfortable you are using different technologies. And that's one thing that I do recommend that any teacher keep in mind right now during this transition. Yes, you're going to have to push the envelope a little bit, push your comfort zone a little bit, but don't try to jump in too far with technologies that you're not familiar with. You're a subject matter expert, you're a content expert, and you're highly valued for that as a teacher, but we don't want you to get too uncomfortable with uh, different technologies. So try, uh, try out a new technology or two, make sure that you're comfortable with it, and proceed forward with that. Now, you need to, to figure out exactly what type of contact that you want to have with your students before deciding on a particular technology to, u- uh, to use. Do you want to um, have live time with your students where you're actually connecting with them in a live forum? Uh, and how do you want to use that live time? Or do you just want to set up channels where they can communicate with you live or asynchronously if, uh, if you're more comfortable with that? That will all determine what types of technologies that you use. Okay, well, the first thing that you need to do before you decide how you're going to uh, be connecting with your students, uh, you need to decide what it is that you uh, actually want them to do. Do you want your students to study independently? Do you want them to connect and collaborate with you and with each other? Do you simply want them to read and view materials, or do you want them to do something with the content? You know, I strongly recommend going for authentic project-based learning. It it helps with deeper connection and understanding of the material. It helps with engagement levels with the material. And it also allows you to bring in some collaborative team approaches between you and your students and, and students and each other. And once you know what it is you want your students to do, that will help you figure out 
what types of resources you need to share for your students and what types of technologies that you want to pick from. Obviously, your students are going to need to have materials to study. I really strongly advise against uh, any time that you have uh, to have a live connection with your students, I strongly advise against using that time to deliver new material to them. It's a waste of that valuable time that you can have for connecting with them one-on-one -on -one to have a one-way communication where you're transmitting uh, content to them. There's lots of resources available online, whether that is sharing existing worksheets or handouts that you have to finding instructional videos that are available online. There's all sorts of those. There's web-based resources. Plan some time every day for yourself to find these resources to share with your students and find the ones that are going to work best for you and share that as your means of transmitting your content for the students. When it comes to actually spending time with them, I suggest using your live time. Either you set up a dedicated time where you have an open office hour or you have a workshop session, a working session with your students where you're all online and they can bring their problems to you. They can bring the things that they're working on to you. You can help them work through those. And then you don't have to prepare lecture materials for all that time. You, you can work with your students. You can even use that live time to get students working in small groups. It all depends on what platform that, that you're using. Or you can allow them to choose a platform to connect with each other for live time to collaborate on projects. Um, yeah, like I said, you don't want to waste your time just being a talking head. Your students are not going to engage with that, and it's going to be extremely stressful for you. If you can't find existing materials online to, to transmit that content to your students, there's lots of ways that you could pre-record some of that content yourself. Even if it's something that you're already comfortable with, like using PowerPoint, PowerPoint will allow you to narrate your presentations, record them, save them as uh, video files, and you can post those video files on your website. I strongly recommend actually setting up your own YouTube channel. It's free. It's easy to do. And you can upload your videos to that. You can direct your students to that channel, or you can embed those videos, uh, share them even by email link with your students. Um, makes it really easy to share that kind of material. If you have colleagues who are teaching the same subject area, you don't need to spend every waking minute creating all these materials yourself. Connect with your teacher colleagues in the same subject area and share the work of co-creating materials so that not one teacher is stuck with all that work. We don't need to all reinvent the wheel with this. Now, you mentioned engaging your students. That's a big part of this, right? You really have to make an effort to connect with them online, don't you? You really do have to make an effort to connect with them. In an ideal online environment, you want to create something that we call a community of inquiry, and there's three critical presences for that. You have your teacher presence, which is obviously you as the teacher creating materials, setting the tone, setting expectations for your students, and providing feedback to your students. You have the cognitive presence, a uh, big wordy term, but all that means is uh, the presence of, of the student's mind on the subject matter itself and, and their actual engagement with the content and, and their digesting of the content and doing something with it. But just as importantly, we have social presence. Students need to feel like they belong as part of a community, just like they do in the classroom. Teachers need to feel that sense of belonging in the community. And if you're not paying attention to either one of those three critical presences, then you're not going to have an ideal level of engagement. The, the ultimate engagement with the, the cognitive side of things, the, the learning of the materials, 
is going to suffer if you don't have that teacher presence and that social presence. Dr. Power, thank you for providing so many options for our teachers. Can you provide resources then for them to support their online lesson plans or connect and follow you directly? On my personal webpage, which is simply powerlearningsolutions.com. And also on my webpage, you'll find uh, a link to my blog. I frequently share a lot of strategies and resources for making these types of connections with your students for online learning. Um, I've stra- I have a rapid transition to online learning survival guide is my most recent uh, blog post on there. It's also available as a chapter in the new ebook. I have uh, posts available for simple strategies for making sure that the resources that you share with your students meet uh, digital accessibility requirements and AODA requirements. Um, and I also have another ebook that uh, was just co-produced with a group of students from Ontario Tech University. It's called E-Learning Essentials 2020. And in that book, there are chapters that look at some of the key learning theories and instructional design principles. Might be a little bit of deep reading for some of your listeners, for some, for some of our colleague teachers right now. But there's a whole section of that book where these students have done detailed reviews on different educational technology tools that you can integrate right now into your online learning strategies. And a link to that can be found on my website as well. All right, powerlearningsolutions.com. I think I got it. We will definitely share that. Thank you for joining us on the feed, Dr. Power. Thank you. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. As education moves online because of the impact of the coronavirus, many parents are finding themselves homeschooling in a way. Galit Solomon with some parental guidance. The last few weeks have no doubt been challenging for everyone. But for families with young ones, closures and cancellations due to COVID-19 have led to more questions than answers, let's be honest. Joining me now is Vaughn Mom of Three, Debbie Lifshee. Debbie, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the feed today. Pleasure. I have one child, and these have been unprecedented times for my family, so I can only imagine with three kids under six, the youngest not even one yet, from what I understand, these, these must be very difficult times for you and your husband. Tell me, what have the last few weeks been like for you? I'm not going to lie, they have been a little bit stressful in managing our kids' stress levels and their anxieties surrounding what's happening has been a challenge, but we're doing our best and we're trying to stay optimistic. I think that having each other and relying on one another as support has definitely made it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. We've sort of gotten into a routine now, three weeks into being quarantined at home and it's becoming easier managing our kids behaviors and their expectations of what the day is going to look like Mm -hmm. but it's hard not being able to have access to the freedom that we once enjoyed so very much makes you appreciate it doesn't it Definitely. I'm not going (laughs) to take for granted those drop-bys from my parents or in-laws ever again. (laughs) That's right. That's right. We definitely miss them. It's interesting you mention anxiety, and and on my end, I'm experiencing it as well with with my son. He's six. Um, what, What kind of things are your kids saying from an anxiety perspective? It's, I think it's anxiety of the unknown. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's really happening. So they sort of make up their own stories as to what's going on, which I think 
troubles them. Right. I think they have anxiety in the sense of they their, their routine, even though it's structured at home, it's not what they're used to. Mm-hmm. So they, they don't know what's coming. And I think a big thing for my eldest son is that he's having anxiety about how long this is actually going to last because he has a better understanding of what's going on and he it makes him nervous that he thinks he's going to have to live the rest of his life Mm -hmm. inside yeah isn't that interesting we we heard this week from the province and we have been as parents waiting to hear from the province and and from the board of education to see what's next because this does feel indefinite for now of course nothing is forever right and eventually we will come mm-hmm. out of this parents yeah. who decide to homeschool their kids are aware of what they're getting themselves into they have a curriculum they you know they do field trips with their kids i mean it, it's a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. Here, I'm trying to teach my kids. I'm not a teacher. I wasn't prepared for this. And I'm trying to teach my kids things while maintaining our stress levels low, mm-hmm. while trying to deal with their anxiety, my anxiety, right. and There's so on and too. so forth. And and it's, a, and it's, it's difficult. It's challenging. I mean, and as I said before, it's great that like I have my partner at home with me and we're doing this together because I don't know how I would manage by myself mm-hmm. um, watching after three of them. But it's crisis schooling. It, 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 no one's prepared for this. There's not enough resources. It becomes incredibly overwhelming. I get overwhelmed. My kids feel that. They become overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And in the end, we just end up playing a board game and spending time together. So I guess the silver lining is <laughs> being together and learning different things through different applications, not sitting down in front of a computer trying to listen to a teacher. We could be a community and pull together and, and, you know, help each other out and do what we need to do to, to end this. Debbie, it's a very inspiring perspective that you share with us. Thank you so much for your time and all the best to you and your family. You're listening to a special edition of The Feed focused on how COVID-19 has changed the way we teach and learn. Afua Ba checks in with a local high school student. While kids will not be returning to class in April, the earliest date that they could be returning to school is May 4th. And so during that time, teacher-led e-learning courses will be created in order to help elementary and secondary school kids continue in their education. We decided to catch up with one of our former high school co-op students, Michael Rubari, to get his take on how he's going to be adjusting to virtual learning from home. Michael, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I cannot complain. It's good to hear your voice. Okay, so (laughs) let's get right into it. Since uh, schools closed, of course, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, how have classes changed for the rest of the term for you? So classes are now all online and it is, it's a dramatic change for us. We're used to sitting in front of a board, getting, you know, face-to-face talk, you know, face-to-face action and all that. Now it's all via email, via video chat for some schools. Um, we have to learn by, by ourselves and we get a little bit of assistance. And when are you expected to begin these e-learning courses? So it's, um, we've been getting emails back and forth from the YDSB. So April 6th, so next Monday, 
we will be mandatory to do at least three hours per class per week. So give and take, that's 12 hours a week. And that's just, you know, minimum. You can do any, you know, you can do more, of course, but that's just minimum. How are you right now connecting with teachers and other students in light of this news? So with teachers, they post on, well, we, you know, we have Google Classrooms um, via emails. They'll, they call the parents just to give them a little update, which was nice just to, you know, hear the voices again and all that. Um, with students, you know, social media is helping us right now a lot. <laughs> it's a big factor right now. You know, we're connecting with them, talking, making sure everything, you know, everyone's safe, happy. Going into this, how do you think the learning curve will be, especially now that this is a virtual setting instead of a physical setting you alluded to earlier? Well, it's difficult, right, because you can't go to everyone's house and make sure they're doing work and make sure everyone's understanding everything. So this is a big step for students, especially in high school. You know, we have to take a big responsibility to actually finish our work, get hand in the assignments, because at the end of the day, we will be getting a report card, and we just have to take responsibility, and we have to complete our work on time. And what's your thoughts, basically, on all of this since this new announcement came in? How is your personal reaction to this? Well, personally, we can't do anything about it, right? It's, it's something that, it's COVID-19. We're stuck. Putting all of us in a building is a big risk, especially with after March break and travelers. So this is the best way we can do. It's better than canceling school and not running classes at all. Um, it is it is a side jump. It is difficult, but it is something that we're going to have to try and make the best out of it. Looking forward, I know there's not much that you can see moving ahead, but uh, I mean, the short term, what do you think about moving forward about all of this? I mean... It's it's what we have to do. We have to do what we have to do, right? We can't um, we can't argue with the rules here. It's it's a pandemic. We're stuck. Um, we have to make the best out of it. And we're you know we're all stuck at home, so there really shouldn't be an excuse not to you know continue to learn and continue to do our work. So it's just something that we have to really focus on, be responsible, and take really good care of ourselves and family members, of course. All right, Michael Rubari, former high school co-op student, joining me to chat today. Thank you so much for your time. And of course, stay safe and we will keep in touch. Thank you so much, Afwa. Our next stop on the feed takes us to a local tutoring company now moving their after-school instruction one-on-one online. With learning now moving online for students in Ontario, at least for now, this method of instruction may not be for everyone. Not every student thrives in distance learning, and sometimes additional supports are needed. Selena Cruz is the center director and owner of Mathnasium in Woodbridge. Welcome to the feed, Selena. Hi, thank you for having me. Now, for parents who are searching for methods to support their children, what can Mathnasium provide? Mathnasium uh, provides math instructions for children. We are your neighborhood math-only learning center. We help uh, children in grade 1 to grade 12 understand math by teaching it the way that it makes sense to them. Now, is it normally taught online, or do you usually do, under normal circumstances, uh, teach in person? Um, under normal uh, circumstances, we have uh, the children come into the center and we instruct one-on-one, the instructor and the students. Uh, we teach uh, math in the Mathnasium method way. We know how to teach your children. Our uh, instructors are specially trained math instructors. 
and we teach children to understand math in their own individual settings because we know that um, children are unique and they all learn differently and, um, you know, we'll find a way to make sure that we teach them the way they understand it. So how will they be taught now in this, you know, new normal? How will they be taught math online with Mathnasium? So Mathnasium um, just recently launched our Mathnasium at Home program. Um, You get the same Mathnasium experience from the comfort of your own home. So our Mathnasium at Home program, uh, you get the same instructors and the same Mathnasium method way that you know from our centers. It's face-to-face, it's on time, and it's in real time. Uh, Learning can happen anywhere as long as you have an internet connection. Um, It's safe, it's secure, and, um, you know, we just recently launched it yesterday, and it has been amazing, the response from the children. uh, The parents love it, and, um, you know, they can book it at any time, you know, in the comfort of their own home. Now, are there any challenges logging in or getting used to this kind of format, or do you find that everyone seems to be adjusting well? Um, I think because of the circumstances that we're in, uh, we're all working together, and, um, um, you know, the first couple sessions that we've had, you know, a little tweak here, a little tweak there with cameras, um, microphones. But other than that, um, the instructors are well trained and they know how to navigate to ensure that um, the technology and the system works before the um, students start. The children actually love, um, you know, they're always on their iPads or their tablets. Um, they're, they love being on the computer. So um, learning the new platform that we are currently working on, you know, the little tricks uh, in terms of the tools, they have fun doing that as well. So it's, yeah, it's been a great learning experience on both sides. And how long are the sessions? Uh, the sessions are uh, for 60 minutes. Um, and it's the same way that we do it in the center. Um, online learning is, you know, they come in, uh, they sign on. Um, the uh, learning plans are completely um, uploaded already. They're ready to go as soon as they sign on. So there shouldn't be any sort of missing of any beats. We should just continue as we have been. Now, normally, do students receive instruction every day? Is it once a week? How often does this type of instruction happen? The Magnesium program, uh, we recommend that two to three times a week for one hour each. Uh, the program really doesn't work uh, if you're not committed and you're um, coming in uh, once a week because children, they don't retain the information, um, you know, through repetition. Uh, children learn faster. Uh, we The program works if you uh, come in two to three times a week. Uh, it's a drop-in center, so there is no um, scheduled time um, that you need to, you know, set your calendar to say Tuesday to we- and Wednesday you have to come in at four. We are what we call a drop-in center. That's why Mathnasium, Gymnasium, uh, it's a monthly membership, and um, you come in two to three times a week for one-hour sessions and you schedule it according to uh, the family schedule, uh, and we work around that with you. So these days, you're not coming in two or three times a week. You would be booking your one-hour session then online. Is that how it works? Correct. Um, what we do is we send a um, scheduler um, attached to our email, and the parents are able to schedule uh, these sessions uh, whenever um, they feel that they, you know, the students have time. Uh, what I've found is that to keep the routine and to keep, keep the momentum, parents have been scheduled, they're scheduling their children for the same times on the same days so that they can maintain some sort of routine. And, of course, we're flexible. Uh, if you book and something happens or you need to reschedule, um, they just contact us and we'll be able to um, reschedule the hour session for them. If our listeners want more information about Mathnasium, where can they go? Uh, They can reach us uh, anytime by phone, 905-851-3999, and we have uh, a great number of information that you can find on our website. 
Uh, you can reach us at mathnasium.ca slash woodbridge, uh, O-N, uh, for Ontario. So again, that's mathnasium.ca slash woodbridge, O-N. Selena, thank you for joining us on the feed. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. We will continue to bring you not only the latest information on COVID-19, but also ideas and options to help you plan and not panic. As a reminder, please go to 1059theregion.com for everything you need to know. I'm Ann Romer. Thank you for listening.